I'm just going to tell you a little bit about me. Um, when I was 21, I joined the Seventh-day Adventist movement. And when I was 24, I got married to Edwin Dysinger. And his middle name is like self-sacrifice. And he wanted to go to the wastelands of the earth and to help the poor. And that's exactly what happened. Um, our first country we were asked to go to was Sudan. And that's the biggest country in Africa. And it's part of Arabia, desert land. So we were just finishing up our master's in public health. We had a little baby that was one, Evangeline. And um, we basically, we'd just gotten married and all of that, just gotten married had a baby, we're finishing our masters, and then we're sent in two and a half years' time. That All of that happened, and we didn't know Arabic. So even I didn't want to leave husband for, my husband for the two births of Caroline and Paul, so they were there in that country in kind of primitive situation. So anyway, in that situation, my welcome... Um, my husband was doing a lot of hard work working for the poor in the midst of the really severe heat of the desert, and we were in a climate of famine, floods, and civil war. So there were a lot of refugees, and this was our first assignment overseas. Some of the fun things we like to do is to go out to the desert and take a little camping trip, even though there weren't any trees, and I adore trees, and I adore gardens. It was just sand and rock. And so when we had our pancakes, the sand would just blow over and waft over them. Um, while they were baking on one side, the other side would get the sand, and we'd have plenty of fiber when we were eating and crunching on. Sometimes we'd watch the, the trails of little animals like snakes that cross the, cross the desert and my husband would find them under the rocks. But whenever I lived anywhere, I wanted a house at least with a tree that my children could climb. So I love nature. And I was wondering how I would cope in the desert. After we spent 16 years in Africa and Arabia, we went to take care of my father in Oregon who had dementia. And while my husband was there, he was praying about what God wanted him to do next. And God impressed him when he was praying and fasting that he wanted him to farm. So in 2006, John and Pam invited us to partner with them on the farm, and that's what we did at Bountiful Blessings Farm in Tennessee. So when we go through life, do we really know what's going to happen ahead of us? No, we just go through the door that God is asking us to go through one step at a time. So we, whenever we're doing God's will, we'll face opposition, and we'll also face our characters. And God is really about growing us. Is that right? He's really about growing us. Sometimes we wonder, why are we in this place? I really don't want to be here. Did you ever feel that way? Plenty of times, right? Yeah, so I mean, when we were in Tanzania, we were building from scratch. 
our adobe bricks were being melted in the rains. It was rainy season. We had to make a different plan. Life was really rough. And I, I mean, we lived in a little shelter that had mold growing on the off-cut sla off slabs of a sawmill. We were putting up a shelter that we could live in while we built something else. But life, I remember just thinking, this is too hard. And so what we're going to be talking about is our thoughts, okay, and how we approach trials. One of the things I remember on the farm while working with Pam is that she shared with me that in the early days she wondered why did we name the farm Bountiful Blessings Farm because where are the blessings? <laughs> and God reminded her, bountiful blessing, trials are bountiful blessings because it's God's choice for our success is this trials is the method for our success. Have you read Hind's Feet on High Places, any of you? Well, it's a, an allegory of a much afraid is the name of the girl that's going to the high places, and so she's crippled. And God, the shepherd, gives her two companions to help her to get to the high places, and their names are sorrow and suffering. And she's supposed to hold their hands, but she doesn't want to hold sorrow and suffering. Well, I can relate. Can you relate to that? I think we all don't like to hold the hands of sorrow and suffering. So I would encourage you to pick up John and Pam's book that has, is talking about how God blessed their lives through trial, our Ebenezer. They have it here at their booth. So trials are a given in this life. What's not a given is how we respond to trials. And our response is based on how we think. I will share with you what I have been learning and how God is helping me keep my heart under adversity or during adversity. And so I want to start with what I've learned about the heart and thoughts from the garden. Okay? My best friend in college, whose love drew me into this church, shared this simple poem with me but I didn't really understand its significance until I started farming. It's called the heart garden. The heart is a garden where thought flowers grow. The thoughts that we think are the seeds that we sow. Each kindly thought is a kind, loving deed, whereas thoughts that are selfish are just like the weeds. So pull out the weed thoughts and throw them away. Open your heart for the good thoughts to stay. We plant all the good thoughts so thick in a row, and soon there's no room for the weed thoughts to grow. My husband and I, we, we do Simple Church with Milton Adams. He's going to be speaking at this conference. And one of our members actually put that poem to music. That's a really cute song. So, The Garden and the Heart. The Bible tells us that in the beginning, the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. God was purposeful in doing this, and what might his purpose have been? We believe that at least one of his purposes was so that we could learn about our hearts from the garden. The garden is a mirror or picture of our hearts. 
And your garden is a picture of your heart, and my garden is a mirror of my heart. And where do we get this correlation from the Bible? It's in Matthew 13. We have the three, three um, different parables in that chapter. You know which ones they are. It's the sower, uh, the parable of the sower, and the parable of the tares, and the parable of, parable of the leaven. And they all correlate when I started thinking about the garden. So the parable of the sower is describing varying kinds of soil that the farmer or the sower is seeding into, right? And the one that receives the seed, well, the good ground, produces 160 and 30-fold, okay? So it's receptive, and it's produced, it's multiplying. So, um, who is the sower in that parable? It's actually God. Okay, he's sowing seed in all of our hearts. Different kinds of hearts with different experiences. Some are receptive, some are crowded out. The word gets crowded out. So he's, he's sowing seeds, and he ends up telling us that the seeds are the word of the kingdom. And it says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. So this is where we we get it. The seed is the word or a thought. A thought always precedes a word or an idea. So the heart is the soil. Do you hear that? It's what's sown in our hearts is the word of the kingdom, but it's a seed that's going to germinate and grow. That's where you get the hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold. So whatever we let into our heart multiplies. That's a spiritual rule. It multiplies. Okay. So the seeds are the thoughts of God being sown into our heart. And where do we have these thoughts? They're actually in our mind, right? There's a place in our mind which is our heart. So when you see that connection in the Bible, you can sometimes replace them. Like if it talks about the mind, you can use the word heart to help you understand it or vice versa. Because our mind is where we think of our thoughts being. So God is wanting to sow his word here, or here. Okay, following the parable of the sower, we have the parable of the tears. And there's, it says, the kingdom of heaven is like this story. And the landowner is God, and he's sowing good seed. Do you know, do you remember what happened? During the night, well, his, his servant came out and said, you know, there's weeds among the weed. And he says, oh, an enemy came at night and sowed those seeds. So we know that there's the good father sowing seeds. 
in our hearts or minds, and then there's the enemy sowing weed seeds in our hearts and mind. So it's what we do with these thoughts that's the crucial issue because they actually come from a source outside of us. Okay? Um, Either God or our enemy, the devil. So this great controversy between God and Satan is being played out in our minds every day. And I, I, I believe that's why we call it the seal of God or the mark of the beast, because God is writing in, his, in our foreheads, in our minds, his character. He's, he's doing it through shedding light into our minds through his word. Okay, so the Bible teaches that a man, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So that's kind of scary, isn't it? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Even Jesus talked about that. Um, in his Sermon on the Mount, he talked about how if we have uh, anger towards our brother in our heart, it's like murder. Or if we lust, then it's the same as committing adultery. So it's our thoughts... As we think, so are we. So we need to, our mind, what it takes in, what we behold, we become like. That's why Jesus said, follow me, watch me, behold me. He wants us to know what good looks like. So there is a principle of the mind that who we are lines up with what we think. Okay? Like if you're thinking something, the, your personhood wants to line up with that. So that actually can be a great motivation for us to think the truths of God. If we keep the truths of God in our mind, then we will try to line up with them because our body has to be integrated with our mind and who we are. So, in turn, the enemy's thoughts of darkness are seeds which will germinate and grow if we allow them. And what that means is if we agree with them. So we'll talk about that in a moment. If we get a thought from the enemy and we don't resist it and we accept it, that means we're making an agreement with him. So we have to understand this very clearly because this is, this is our battleground and it's the only battle that we, we, we can fight is really our own. Okay. We do not want to make an agreement with the enemy over his dark thoughts by letting them in. Is that right? He wants to destroy us. So it's like in the third parable, a little leaven, it says leavens the whole lump. And in the Bible, I was confused why sometimes that represents God's truth and sometimes it represents sin. So what it's saying is in both of the parables, is that whatever you let in, either from the good shepherd or from the enemy, will go throughout. Well, we want to be God's. We are God's children. We have chosen him. If we've chosen him, that's our identity, is with him. We may struggle with our thoughts, and, God, and Satan wants to come around and say, okay, like, let's say we're a corn plant at, in the garden. That's us, right? And... One corn plant is growing nice and big, and this other little corn plant is, has weeds all around it, right? I mean, you can't see it for the weeds. Have you ever been in a garden like that? You can't see the plant for the weeds? 
Right, it happens. <laughs> so Satan wants to say, you're just a bunch of weeds about me or you. You're just a bunch of weeds. No, we're a corn plant. We are in there, and God is going to help us be rescued from the weeds. So don't think otherwise. He said, you are all the children of light and the children of the day. You are not of the dark, nor of the night, nor of the night, nor of darkness. So he says good things. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So when we bring those light thoughts to our minds, we get hope. And they, will, they have creative power to change us. When we believe them, we believe them by thinking on them. It's not that we believe them maybe before, but the more we think on God, the more we believe in him and his power. So seeds and thoughts. Everything in our garden. So we, what do you want to plant in a garden? Fruits. Vegetables. Flowers. I love flowers. That's what I plant first. <laughs> um, when I wasn't farming full time, I was planting flowers overseas. <laughs> and vegetables. So... How do we get them in our garden? Seeds, that's right. And we put the seeds in there, don't we? It's intentional. But what else do we find in our garden? Weeds. We didn't put them in there, did we? No, we didn't put them in there. Some of us, you know, we, in farming, we, we call that we have a weed seed bank in the ground. That means... Once, if we're going to till in our garden, it's already had grasses there for years. The seeds have been falling. Nobody's been cutting them off. So they're, se they're seeding. So there's a bank of seeds in the ground. And when we cultivate and, and um, our garden, which means to take out the weeds, and you try to do it at the level where it's just a thread stage before it even roots, if you take them out, then you're not going to have the weeds growing there. Right? Some of the weeds we have, we inherit them. You know, we, we have some things that come into our lives just by what our family didn't weed out. Okay? So it's a really great thing to get these things weeded out, not to pass them down. And God is really strong to help us. And he actually came to help the sick. He came to help the weak. That was his point of everything. So he told the Pharisees, I came for those who need a doctor. So we can start embracing instead of hiding our weaknesses. We can say, oh, that was really revolutionary to my husband and I. Oh, well, when I'm weak, he's strong. It's okay. I'm, I'm weak and I need the Savior. It helps us to feel our need of the Savior and to search for him with all our hearts. And that's, that's a good way to be. Because all of us are weak. We just need to recognize it and embrace it and that God is strong and he is our life. He's our power. So, where do our thoughts come from? We just talked about it, right? All thoughts can come back from where? Our 
from Christ or Satan. They come from those two sources. Keep in mind that they both use people to directly or indirectly place seed thoughts in our minds. You know, something somebody says, all of a sudden we say, ah, and we react to it, right? And, I mean, we're going to talk about that because <laughs> that's a trial, correct? And we want to know how to deal with trials. But the, the people could be our parents, our siblings, our grandparents, our extended family, our friends, the media. It can be church. It can be school. You know, thoughts come through many different ways to our minds. But it can come just out of the blue into our minds. So our job is to manage the garden so that what we want to grow there grows. We don't want the weed seeds choking out our plants. And we want to be fruitful. But it's not so simple as rationally analyzing and managing our thoughts. Our thoughts always have emotions attached to them. And these emotions are what make it so hard to manage our thoughts. So how are thoughts and emotions attached to each other? This, I didn't even understand these things a while back, but it's really helpful to understand how they work. When we study how the brain works, we discover that it always, always the electrical impulses in the brain trigger the chemical impulses, which bring chemi chemical dumps in our body. So really, every negative thought or fearful thought or sinful thought, you know, sin starts with a thought. That's where it starts. So we have to say, if, if we embrace the thought that comes from the enemy uh, or make an agreement with him, then it travels into our brain and it makes a chemical mix which goes to the hypothalamus, and it automatically asks for the emotion, not the thought. Every thought is attached to an emotion, so the hypothalamus says, okay, give me what the emotion is, and that emotion will be dumped immediately by chemicals into our whole body, and it bathes every cell of our body. So when you're younger, you might not notice that as much, but when you're older, you can really notice that happening. So you wanting to get into habits of good chemical dumps. We have good ones, too. God's love can make a great chemical dump over our hearts and our, every cell of our body, or joy, or giving, you know, these thoughts. So... What we're wanting to do is understand about accepting or rejecting the pre-thought. This is where it comes in, okay? Every thought has a pre-thought. It's like it comes in, it flies in like a bird into your brain. The enemies are fiery darts, okay? They just come in. And if you notice it in your mind and stop it immediately, and I'm going to give you some tools on how to do that, if you can stop it immediately, it will not make the chemical mix or dump. It's only by embracing the thought that that happens and making it our own. So this is our battle, right? It's in our hearts and minds. We see it mirrored in our garden. And the pre-thoughts are seeds. 
as they are being sown. When we have a seed that we sow, it goes into the ground, but it's not till the ground accepts the seed and it sprouts that it, that it becomes part, growing. And that, so that's sort of like our thoughts. The thought comes in like the seed, but we don't have to accept it. Okay, when the soil accepts the seed, it germinates and it has power going through it that enables it to grow. So that's, that's what my hubby thinks is sort of similar to the chemical dump, which is good or bad. So as the seed begins to grow, it occupies ground in our garden. And you know what? This piece of real estate of our heart and mind is so precious to God. He said, let this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus. So he's actually, if we crowd it out with wheat seeds, it's not, there isn't enough room for both. You know, God says you can't serve two masters. You can't have a bitter spring and a sweet spring coming out of the same fountain. So this is the battle. Like, we want to be whole, single-minded. We can't have all of this disconnect in our minds. It's very disturbing to us. So one thing that's important to understand about the garden in our hearts is that we have a default setting. And the default setting is, is what we revert to when we don't have dominion or rule over our heart and mind. Does that make sense? If we, we have to rule over our hearts and minds like God told Cain. He said, sin lies at the door, you must rule over it. He didn't rule over it. We are to have, we're to rule over our minds and what we let in. So what is the default in the garden? If you just left your garden and didn't rule over it, what would be the default? Weeds, automatically weeds. The earth always covers itself, doesn't leave anything bare, it'll go to weeds. And what is the default in our hearts? Weed thoughts or fear thoughts? I'm going to lose out. It's what Satan said to Eve. He put a thought in her mind when she went by the tree. He, he put a thought in there that she, she was going to lose out if she didn't eat from the tree and become like God and be able to know good from evil, that he was holding back on her. So that it entered as a thought, but she actually engaged with it. And then Adam did. And so that's why we're in this situation of the default is going to be uh, our fear-based thinking. Now, the good thing is Jesus actually gave us back the power of choice. And this is so important in this area of gaining victory is the power of choice or the will. God does never coerce our will or choice. It's always ours. So it's you do not have to feel like you want to do something to choose it. You can still choose to obey, and you don't have to have a feeling that you want to obey. It's a choice we can make because we want to be gods. We want to be whole. We want to be healthy. We want to thrive. We want to bear fruit. You won't, we won't have a garden of fruit if we don't take care of the weeds. So... It's our choice, and he'll always honor our choice. So if you ever wondered, well, why doesn't God just change me? 
automatically. It's because he gave us free will. And it is, it says the kingdom of God is taken by violence. You remember Jacob wrestling for his life to gain the victory? And it's like God wants us engaged in battle, us men and women. Not sit back. We're going to engage in this controversy, and Jesus will win the battle for us. But we have to choose him. We have to choose his words. We have to choose to believe them, and they will bring fruit in our lives. So, um, I'm going to talk about managing your seeds and thoughts. Okay? The only way we can get what we want from the garden is by having a plan for what we want to grow. And once we have the plan, we work, work it by eliminating every plant that is not intended and by cultivating and nurturing the plants that are intended. Right? Did it, you all get that? We're going to eliminate the ones we don't want, and we're going to nurture and care for the ones we want. To do this, we have to be able to identify which plants are carrots or strawberries and which are weeds. In our hearts, we have to learn to identify pre-thoughts by their sources. So I'd like to hear from you. What kind of thoughts would come from God? Love. Love. Yep. Peace. Peace. Hope. The idea of giving. Forgiveness. Forgiving. That's right. Forgiving. Um, I love that one. Because forgiveness is, unforgiveness is, the root of that is bitterness. And it has so many things in its train that, that kill people, you know, that destroy us. So, thank you for sharing that. So, what are some of the things the enemy seeds in our minds that we want to be aware of the minute they come in. Selfishness. Anger. Anger. Helplessness. Yeah. Pardon? Helplessness. Helplessness. Fear. Fear. Impatience. Hate. Hate. Yep. What about accusing speech? See so the accuser of the brethren? God says in Isaiah 58 that he wants to take away the yoke. You know, let me see where that verse is. Um, of accusation over our brothers. In other words, that's putting a yoke on them that they can't bear. So when we're accusing somebody or saying, well, you said this or you did this, we have to, that's so often we speak like that, right? I mean, it's something we might not think about, but we really need to think about. Right, that's from who? From the enemy. That's right. What about pride? What about rejection? What about addiction? Those are all thoughts that the enemy is seeding in our in our hearts. Okay, we're gonna eliminate the we the weeds and the weed thoughts, right? Is that what we're going to do? That's right. Okay, in the garden, we use a tool with a sharp steel blade to do that. In our hearts, we use what? That's right, a two-edged sword. That's right, the word of God. That's what we use. So, in the garden, one hot, humid Tennessee summer day, my husband was out with his wheel hoe. Do you know what a wheel hoe is? Yeah, it has a blade that's 
like a stirrup, a large one. Did you get to see it? Oh, good. So he was weeding 14 340-foot rows. Okay? That's a long row. Yep. With this wheel hoe, and he was subduing the earth, working by the sweat of his brow, and he knew he was in the center of God's will, because that's what God said we would do. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and he was like, I'm doing God's will. I'm sweating by the, you know, my brow, and I'm out here subduing the earth. He's having dominion over it, because he put us to have dominion over the garden and the earth. And the animals and the food supply, all of that is our dominion given to man. And so he asked, he was, God talked to him about this because he was subduing the earth and God shared with him, that's what it's like for me to subdue your heart. And that was quite touching to him that, okay, he's the gardener, God's the gardener over our hearts. He's taking out the weeds, and it takes a sharp tool, and it takes endurance, and it takes, it's painful, and it takes commitment, it takes prayer. It takes all that to be a farmer. You know what? It, you can't just go to sleep on the job. You've got to get out there and subdue the earth. So it takes a sharp blade, and it's an arduous process. Okay, another method that we use to eliminate weeds is to use a plastic tarp that eliminates light. So that's helpful, right? We want the light of God's word, and the weeds, if we can keep them from the light, they won't grow, right? So that's one way. In the garden, we will cover a few beds with a tarp and allow the weed seeds to germinate and then die because they don't have light. And we use that for like two to four weeks over them if, if before you plant a garden. That's very helpful. We then follow this by planting whatever we want. In our hearts, it's not a two-step process, but both go on at the same time. The basic idea is that we don't want to let weed thoughts see the light of day. But we walk in the light with all our godly thoughts. Now, this is why we're encouraged not to bring utterance to our thoughts that are negative. Because whenever we use the word, it strengthens the thought. The word is so powerful. When we speak, it does three things. You're thinking it, you're speaking it, and you're hearing it. And it just triples the effect. So what we speak is so critical um, because we're multiplying the seeds that are bad. Now, don't be discouraged. So many of us, we have habits of life because we've been accepting these thoughts that are not life-giving, they're death-giving. Actually, every po- everyone that is from the enemy is poisonous to us. It, it poisons us. We have to recognize how scary that is. I mean, how we don't want that to hurt us and to resist it. Okay, now I want to share with you that there's a few things that I have done that have really helped me in this area, and I really think it's good to have friends 
to come by your side for accountability, just to people that you can share maybe what you've come through, what you've, where you're at right now. Well, one time when I was kind of spiraling down with my thoughts related to issues in life, um, I, I talked regularly with my sister, and we've helped each other through the years. And she lives in Mexico, and I said, well, would you call me every day so that I can use the tools that can help my mind stay in the light? And then we could do our memory verses together. And she said, yes, I will. And so um, what happened was is that she called me, and she, she had been memorizing for quite a long time. So I just asked her, why don't you choose the verses that will really help my mind stay in the light? And so we would do, I did two a week. And that's because I felt like I wanted to make up for lost time. You can do one a week if you want to. That's just great. It's great. But I was pretty ambitious. And I thought, I just need to have more in my mind. Because I'm 58 and I need to get as much in there as I can, right? So um, so I wanted to share a little bit about what she shared with me. So what, what we do is we use a, a phone. We started with cards, flip, you know, cards that flip, flashcards, that you can put your, your text on one side and the verse on the opposite side, and you could carry them on a ring and while you're walking, or you can just review them when you're waiting somewhere. And so we intentionally, that was the original way we did things, but now that we can get flashcard apps, we use Flashcard Elite or Scripture Typer. So I start my day after praying. Praying is a very important part of understanding, of keeping in the light. And we can pray the words of God when we pray for ourselves or for our family members. They're very powerful. And so are any of you doing Bible memory? Right now? Great. Are you using an app? Or are you using cards or just repeating it? Well, we, we started by repeating it so that we could get it perfect seven times. Okay? So when you start memorizing a verse, I'm just sharing what's helped us, okay? You want to really get it in, right? So you, you repeat it, and you repeat it, and you notice if you get a word wrong, you're going to start over. Once you get it seven times down, you can um, go on. The next day, you do the same thing for a week. Okay, once you get it established, that's that perfect number, seven. So my sister Becky says, she said, let's do it, we're going to do it seven times. It's something that really helps the brain get it in. You want to get it into the foundation of your brain. And then you're going to repeat it for a week that way every day. And I think we even increased it to two weeks, and then we put it on. Uh, to a month. So you're going to do, you can have a different program. Scripture Typer automatically puts you on a progression as you, as you're able to do them. It'll change how often you do it. So the most important thing is um, reviewing your verses, having them all say that you're reviewing them. And Scripture Typer does that for you automatically so that you'll be reviewing them every month or every two weeks or every week or every day or two days. So you can manage that. Yeah. Flashcard Elite and Scripture Typer. Yeah. So 
it, it just helps organize your verses for you, and you can have them with you. So I like to use them like vitamins in the morning, is just to allow the words of truth to saturate my mind. And so here's a verse I did today, First John 1, 4, and 5. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. This, this, this then is the message that we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Okay, so I like these light verses, and I'm going to put on a thumb drive the verses that I've memorized, so you can start with something that, I'm not saying you're going to use it, but if you want to use it, you can. <laughs> so, and you don't have to, there's, the, there's, you can find all your own verses if you want to. You can choose whatever verse you want to study. Okay, so the, the thing we would do is use the word of God. Now, the other thing we would do is make affirmations of faith. Affirmations of faith is like taking a promise and putting your name in it. Like, I trust the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my mind, and I love my neighbor as myself. Um, it, can, it can be, um, my pleasant thoughts and words are like a honeycomb. So we want to start, God has given us promises, every command is a promise, and we can put our name in them. It's by the grace of God this happens, but you know what? Our brain will follow what we think about. Remember that? The brain follows what you're thinking. So if you think what God wants to give you, it'll be easier for you to grow that way. It's like the fertilizer. It's telling you, you know, I'm going to, you're growing in this environment now, right? So um, we call those affirmations of faith. And she put a lot of them to songs, which I really like. Do you know the song, The Joy of the Lord is My Strength? The little tune? <clears throat> I have had a little bit of a sore throat. I'll try to say, The joy of the Lord is my strength. 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 So you can put your own words in there. My pleasant thoughts and words are like a honeycomb. My pleasant thoughts and words are like a honeycomb. Okay? I'm loving and forgiving by the grace of God. All right? There's so many of them, and I'm going to post them. And you can put them, laminate them, and put them by your sink in the kitchen. You can put them in your shower. You can put them in your car. It's so nice to sing, and it combats the thoughts that are wanting to fly in. Because you can only think about one thing at a time. And if you're singing these, and let God... Sh enable you to be nurtured by them, it'll help, okay? So those are simple little songs. They're not full hymns. Another thing we did was memorize hymns, and you can put those on flashcards also. And we would choose the praise songs. Praise is so important, isn't it? And gratitude, um, it, it fills our heart with health of body and mind. 
when we're praising God and thanking him. Um, A couple things that I think are important, and I'd like to give you a chance to actually ask questions, too, if you'd like to. Um, Some of the things that really hurt us is the idea... I don't know if any of you were brought up in a perfectionistic way. My husband and I were both brought up that way, with very high ideals and achieving. And sometimes that makes it hard on ourselves and other people that we're with. Because we have this idea that somehow we need to be perfect. And God wants us to be like him. He wants us to be loving and filled with grace and mercy. So if we're, all, if we're looking at just our behaviors, meaning um, we're kind of doing a right good and evil, we're looking at life in a paradigm of good and evil, God wants to implant in us light and life, okay, and grow us in every aspect of our lives. So what am I sharing about that? We have high expectations out of people. We have high expectations out of ourselves. We have high expectations about what will happen, what we're going to do. And when things don't turn out right, what happens? We can get really disappointed. Yeah, we can explode. We can say, this shouldn't be this way. We should have done this. Why did we do this? I was trying to tell you to do it this way, right? And one friend really said something that I really appreciated. And he said this. He said, we need to look at life and expect that most of the things won't turn out exactly what we want. But when they do, we can celebrate. Well, that's helpful for a person who thinks in more of a perfectionistic viewpoint that, oh, this just happened. Oh, that's normal. Life has difficulties. We have problems. On the farm, many things go wrong. All all the time, things go wrong. I mean, we have deer eating the plants. We have armadillos eating the plants. Even if the deer fence, we have deer fence, it can be that it got left up by accident and the deer got in. Um, We have June bugs eating all the green beans and the basil. We have cucumber beetles taking out the cucumber and squash plants. We have real life just in the garden as well as in our homes. And so we we want to be very realistic about life. Okay, that's what he's saying. Realistic about life rather than thinking it's some Pollyanna idea. And is that helpful at all? I don't know if any of you can relate to that. We can really be hard on people around us, and that's the last thing we want to do. Right? We want to be merciful. When we recognize our own weakness, we're compassionate towards those that are weak. Does that make sense to you? When we're hard on ourselves, we're not compassionate on those who are weak. Any questions so far? That makes sense? So this contributes to the negative thoughts that we have or how we react when something doesn't happen just like we want it to. Okay? Um, Another thing I think that's helpful 
is speaking the truth into your story. Each of us has a story. And there's at least about seven events they're finding out, significant events in our life that affect who we are. If the events happen before like 15 or 17, you know, they affect who we are. And so Satan wants to, is always trying to foul up our story, right? But those are the areas where Christ comes in and redeems our stories. And so we want to at least be able to share our story with someone that we trust and not to hide from our, you know, in the dark. Satan wants people to hide in the dark, and it multiplies darkness instead of bringing light to something. And that enables us to see something more clearly and to grow. So I'll, I'll tell you a little story that was really cute. My friend was telling me she had some narcissus plants. And they, they were so beautiful, and she lives in Maine. She's going to do the canning class with me. And so she decided, I want those in the winter because it's snowing outside and I can't see any plants. So she put them on her island in her kitchen and they bloomed for about two years. You know, each year they bloomed and died back and bloomed again. But the third year it didn't, didn't bloom. They just stayed like little tiny uh, grass, you know, shoots. Just didn't put out a bulb, didn't put out any flowers, which are the fruit of the plant. And so that happened for two years, and then she decided, oh, I'm going to go put it by the window before I throw it out. She hated the idea of throwing them out. She just could hardly bear it. So she put it by the window, and guess what happened? They just resurrected. They, did, they were the best they would have ever been. So we have to realize we got to be in the light, right? we got to be in the light to be beautiful. And so... It says, when we're in the light of his word, the Bible says, in his presence is fullness of joy, and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. When we're in the word, we're in his presence. And this, um, my husband kind of likes to talk about it like sucking a hard candy. When you're memorizing, it's just kind of savoring it in your mouth. And so you're just savoring it in your mind, the words of God. And they bring light and joy. Because when we really understand them, it's his presence. He is there with us, and he's rejuvenating us, and it's glorious. And so we will get more joy and more joy. The more we understand him, the more we understand what he wants to give us. So I want to encourage you with that. And so what I do with my memory verses is I walk with when, when I'm doing them. I used to do it on a treadmill, then the treadmill broke. I do it now with a cross-crawl march, which is very helpful to the mind. Um, so, so let's say we're using the word, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. So I'm doing cross-crawl march where my left foot is going forward and my right arm. And so that helps the brain if you're crossing your body. That's why it's really good for children to crawl because it's very helpful to the brain. So I do that and I go back and forth like in my loft. 
in the wintertime. In the summer, I just go ahead and do it all outside if the weather's good. Okay, so we have quite a lot of good weather in Tennessee, but I, you can put on a lot of miles walking like that doing your verses even inside because you can go backwards and forwards in kind of a small area. So that's very good for the brain. So the other thing I want to teach you about is canceling a pre-thought, okay? When a pre-thought comes in, you want to cancel it, and you want to speak it out loud. If you're with a lot of people, you can just say it, cancel, you know, quietly. Or you can say, stop. Or you can say, delete. You use what word works for you, but you want to stop it in its tracks. You want your brain to stop thinking it. If you don't say anything, it'll just keep going along, just like it's going down the river, and it'll just wash over your brain again and again, unless we stop it. So we want to stop it, and then we want to sing. You know, Jesus used songs when he was in temptation. Okay. Now, Jesus, he was tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So he had the pre-thoughts come in, but he didn't agree with them. That's the difference. But he knows what they are. Okay? So now, um, where was I going with that? So you're going to sing songs, and that's where this memorizing of the hymns is really good. What's amazing about that is whatever you start singing, whether it's the affirmations of faith songs or scripture songs or hymns, that's what starts going through your mind all day. And even in the night, if I wake up, I find that it's automatically playing. Do you like that? Oh my, that's the best thing in the world to me if I'm up in the middle of the night is to have a happy song playing in my mind. So I really want to encourage you. It's like the Lord just puts it in there. We're told that whatever we memorize, he'll bring back to us. Do you remember that? He'll bring it back to us. And so that is a great thing to do. Now, if it comes back again, you can. then you want to find the verses. I like to categorize them. You can have verses on fear. Jesus says, um, what does he say? I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying unto you, Fear not, I will help you. You know, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. There's, the opposite of fear is what? Courage. It's trust. So Eve was, Satan wanted her to fear God and not to trust him, right? And that's, that's our default. But the more we think on the word, the more our trust develops. But the word is replete with verses that talk about trust for that reason. So trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. So, um, trying to see if there's another thing that... And the most important thing is, you have to choose. I just can't say that enough to you. 
I remember, you know, when you're really going through a struggle, even somebody can help. Choose. Choose to let go of it. Choose to let go of that. And it's something we need to choose. Another thing that's very helpful is doing good for others because it brings joy. It's relational. Satan is not relational. He's destructive. He even doesn't care about his, his demons. He is all about himself and destroying he doesn't know anything about goodness or kindness. So when we do that in an atmosphere of helping others and serving others, it really helps us. The enemy can't have as much play on our minds because we're joyful. Right? If you're struggling with something at home, get out and go do something. Visit with somebody. In Arabia, our friends visited people every day. That's part of their culture is visiting people every single afternoon. And my husband, who is getting to be more and more um, extroverted, is, was not visiting people every day. And they were saying, you need to go visiting every day. You know, that wasn't a part of our culture at all. Is that a part of your culture, to visit people every day? And their neighbors, this is what they were doing. They said, that's what keeps you healthy. So, and not to live alone. So, God is relational. Everything in our world is relational. That not one thing exists by itself. I even said to my husband, what about a rock? He goes, well, it's resting on the earth. It's providing shelter for the lizard. You see, everything is relational. So we can, God is relational, and he wants us to be relational because we're in his image. So he's going to do that in our lives. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.